Hello and welcome to episode two of the Kelly podcast here on The Twelfth Man. My name is, as always, is Adam Lyon and I'm joined by Craig Mahood. Hi, Adam. Great to have you on again, Craig. Uh, so today we'll be looking back at the draw with Celtic. Fantastic draw on Sunday uh, and then looking forward to our game tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday night against Ross County up in Dingwall. So starting off with the Celtic game, Craig, a similar lineup to what we had out uh, Hibs uh, the weekend before. Uh, the only real change, Aaron Brophy uh, dropping out from that one, uh, or he didn't drop out, he, he didn't come on at all really, um, and it was Caban bleeding the line. Uh, we were talking about last week about the two new fullbacks, how they didn't get a game against Hibs, and it was the same here. Uh, tried and trusted uh, Millen and Waters started in the, the lineup again. Were you surprised by that, or, or do you think that Alex Dyer had it right in that sense? I think before before the game kicked off, uh, I was surprised. I said last week I did expect the two new guys to come in. Um, not that Millen and, and Waters done anything wrong uh, for them to drop out. But I just felt with McGowan having a bit more first-team experience um, and big constructs with the size he is, again, I thought maybe that might have been the way that, that um, Alex Dyer would have went. But... Come the end of the game, his decision was fully vindicated. Um, again, I thought the two fullbacks were really good. Um, but I think, again, as we had said last week, the main one was going to be Gary Dicker coming back in um, for, for Kilty, just to give a little bit of that um, kind of sense of defensiveness that let us down against Hibs. Um, but no, I, I think in terms of how we set up, I think he got a spot on. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, there was certainly questions over the, the full-backs and uh, just having having Kabamba up top. I think Lakey's going to do for for a lot of this season. He proved the Kelly fans absolutely wrong. And it was quite clear that he knew exactly what he was doing in terms of his tactics and the way he set out the team. Um, but just like just like the week before, we got off to the, the worst possible start. Christie scoring after just 10 minutes. And you have to say another bit of a, a bit of a, an error from the goalkeeper um, combined with you know, superb placement of the ball from Ryan Christie um, had us down after after 10 minutes. And you'd have to say, you know, it was worrying times because usually when Celtic score that early, then they're just going to go on and, and keep scoring, to be honest. Yeah, as you say, it was it's one of those that, and I'm sure it would have been in the in the changing room as well, keep it tight the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, we didn't really give them an awful lot. Uh, and, you know, apart from Broadfoot diving in on Edward. Uh, with Dicker having to give the free kick away, but again there wasn't really any kind of any threat from it. We were set up fine, as you say. Christie's hit it well, but we were disappointed in the in the goalkeeping um, again. And when he makes a mistake that early, as you said, you then start thinking, you know, what, what kind of score is this going to be? <laughs> is it going to be five or six? Uh, keepers had a, a bit of a howler earlier on. Yeah, you know this could, this could be any score. Yeah, it's well known that when you play Celtic, as soon as they score the first, you cannot let them get a second almost immediately after. It's about weathering that storm almost straight away. And, and yes, Celtic did come and they, they pressed for a second straight after. But just like we did in the, the Steve Clark days when we were regularly getting results against the old firm, you know, we weathered that and we, we grew back into the game again and, you know, deservedly got... Uh, got an equaliser uh, on about half an hour, I think it was, from 
the Burke penalty, Cabamba doing absolutely magnificently to to make a fool, to be honest, out of uh, Julian and Scott Brown and uh, wriggle away from them, and, and then he was pulled down. So, um, how important do you think Cabamba was just for that situation in particular, but for the whole game as well? He was he was unplayable at times, wasn't he? It was. It's not. It's not the kind of side of his game that. I thought he had, in all honesty. Um, you know, in the, in the game's gone by, when we've played one up front and it's been Brophy, um, he's he's put himself about, um, chased lost causes, shut the defenders down, things like that. I didn't think Kabamba going up against, you know, two centre-halves with a combined, I mean, they're rated probably 40, 50 million between the two of them, um, if you read some reports, and the fact that it caused them so much bother. I didn't think that, that was possible, you know. And even even after the game, a lot of the comments were more a kind of a shock, but like a, a pleased shock, thinking, you know, we've actually got this kind of player in our hands. We've not really had the type um, that's been able to go up and kind of ruffle up um, big centre halves like that. So it was really important. I thought he was. I thought he was absolutely superb. Um, you know, he, he's got all his plaudits since the game, but I think. If he was to continue with that, if we were to, you know, even if we were to then change the formation a bit and bring Brophy in, and we have that kind of goal threat as well, you know, that, we could actually be okay um, with the two of them. I'd, I'd like to see him add a little bit more goals, and I think that's a kind of criticism um, a lot of Kilmarnock fans do have of him. It's just there's not enough of a, a goal potency there. But in terms of his job on Sunday, he carried it out absolutely perfectly. No, absolutely. You know, Alex Dyer would have said to him, you know, just make all, all you're there to do, make life difficult for, for the centre-backs. Don't make it easy for them. And, and that's exactly what he did. We don't know whether it was maybe, you know, he was stepping up for the big occasion because, as you say, we've not really seen that side of his game before where he's able to bully the centre-backs in that way. Um, I think maybe maybe in the first couple of games when he first came in, he, he was kind of like that, but it hasn't really been a side of his game since. But, you know, he, yeah. was, he, was, he was unplayable. And, um, you know, I think... Without him up there, I don't think we would have got anything from that game um, at all. Such was his, um, such was the effect they had. But from then on, you know, you know, Burke scored the penalty. Uh, just Burke has almost saved it, but luckily yeah. um, he squeezed it in, and that will do him the world a good. But from then on, for the rest of the first half and, and basically all the second half, it, it never really looked like Celtic were going to cause as many problems. They had the odd chance or two. Um, but I think, but I think it was up until about the seventieth minute or so uh, that you know their, their main man Edward didn't even have a shot on target. Um, I think no, he only I had think... one or two the whole game. We we kept them really quiet, um, and it just seemed like I, think I saw a few people say this online. It was the easiest point that I think we'll ever get against Celtic. Yeah, I think there was a lot of um, a lot of the chat was about how kind of poor they were, but I think we just didn't allow them the opportunity to to get in behind and. I think a couple of the goals anyway against Hamilton was Greg Taylor getting him behind, you know, a ball across the box, and that didn't happen at all. Um, and as you said, I think, if I remember rightly, they only had two shots on target. Then you have plenty of shots from outside the box, you know, had obviously three quarters of the ball, which they're always going to do the way we've set up. But one, if apart from the goal, I think the only other one, if I remember correctly, was Edward actually dropping near enough into midfield. And I think he then had a little bit of kind of combination play before hitting one from 25, 30 yards. I mean, if 
you know, when it's getting to that point, and that was still 20 minutes to go, you know that you're doing well. You know, when he's having to drop so deep to get the ball and then just hit pot shots from, you know, from miles out, um, that just showed how, how well we were doing. And as you said, it didn't, although there's always that chance, and it's happened so many times um, against the old firm where we have been in the game, we have played well, and then we just switch off. I'm thinking of goals in the very, very first game of last season, I think it was, the Hope Rangers, and they scored. Um, Goldson scored in injury time and uh, obviously the Brown goal as well that Sky went over a couple of times there's always that bit in the back of your mind thinking you know they could do it at any moment here but it just never ever felt I never felt that we were going to concede again you know I didn't think we were actually going to lose that game once they started shooting from 25-30 yards Yeah the the whole performance was very Steve Clark-esque wasn't it just everybody knew their jobs they were sticking to it, just not allowing Celtic the space. And, and the fact was, we talked about it last week on the podcast, that we had to deny Eduard the space. And that was the only way that we were going to be successful on Sunday. And that's exactly what Alex Dyer did. He packed the middle of the park, didn't allow Celtic to, to have their one-twos, their combination plays, forced them down the outside. But I think we got a bit lucky because both Taylor and Frimpong didn't really want to seem to want to get forward and put the crosses in the... Uh, they were actually more comfortable seemingly turning back and playing it back there, which looking at some of the some of the Celtic fans' responses after the game, you know, they picked up on that. They were saying, yeah. you know, why did Taylor and, and Frimpong not, you know, go past their man and actually put the crosses in? Um, there was a lot of criticism about, about the two Celtic fullbacks um, after the game. So I think it was a number of factors that, that contributed to it, but Alex Darragate's tactics, spot on, there's no doubt about that. And um, the players all, all followed that to the letter and, um, you know, every every single one of them put in a, a solid performance, and I think it's really positive um, going ahead. In terms of in terms of the man of the match, was there was obviously there's a, there's a large number of candidates, but is there one that really stood out for you? I think um, even even if we take Kabamba out, it who I think was probably as you said earlier, without him and that presence up front, um, might not have been quite as straightforward. But I think in terms of the difference from the week before to that week, uh, to, to Sunday, the, the guys in midfield, um, I thought were brilliant. And again, Dicker, especially, you know, Dicker and Power, the, the fact that the two of them got booked relatively early on, you then start thinking, if that's going to take a little bit of edge out of their game, you know, and it's a long, long way to go. Like I said, Dicker got booked after. 10 minutes, 11 minutes, something like that. Um, I thought the two of them were were outstanding. Um, The two centre-halves as well, as you said, Edward again, there was talk a few days before, even before the game, I think one of the the Sky um, pundits actually said if Dembele is now going to go on for 70, 80 million um, pounds, then why would Edward not go for that just now, you know, instead of having that kind of um, that jump so I think the two centre-halves were, were good if I was to pick one taking Kabamba out it I would probably say Alan Power again because I thought he was I thought he was outstanding and I know that the two of them they are starting to get a bit of a bit of credit and I know Michael Stewart's a big fan of them um, he talks them up a lot but I just think the work they do tireless but completely completely effective and I don't think we would have had quite that kind of defensive Stability if it wasn't for the, the two guys. 
Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. There's so many players to choose from on Sunday that could have that could have been man of the match. But um, for me, I just can't I can't look past the the impact that Kabamba had. Yeah. If it was any other player up top, then I don't think we would have got anything for that game. But the, the way he was able to to impose himself and and just you know bully the two Celtic centre halves, all the Celtic's problems then came from there. Um, and he deserves so much credit for putting in a performance that. You know, we never really expected from him, but um, we're now hoping that he can continue yeah. um, for, for quite some time. Um, obviously, you were watching it from home. I was in the stadium um, itself. How was it for you watching it from home? Because obviously, the the whole you know virtual season ticket and and being able to watch the home games you know on your TV now is going to be such a, a big part of the the weeks and months to come. So, how was it? Did it feel odd watching watching the game at home? It was because obviously, if if it wasn't for the everything that's going on, you know, I'd, I'd be in the ground, <laughs> you know, it's something that you, you don't kind of become too accustomed to actually sitting down on the telly and watching that kind of game live. Um, if you think maybe there's, there's a, you know, away trips midweek, like so tomorrow, for example, it might not then be something I would do on a Wednesday night, go up to, to, to Ross County all the time. So just having the likes of that kind of game, that would be the ones where I would say, it's good that we'd be able to watch them. Sunday was was different just because of how big the game was and it, it was that kind of way where it was the first time I actually thought, I'm really missing this. You know, I, I could do with being there. Um, up until then, because we couldn't see the Hibs game, um, it was it was something that the season hadn't really started. That was the first time being able to sit and actually watch the game live. So it was the first, first kind of time I thought, right, this is us, we're we're going now, you know, this is the season kind of starting. Um, but I don't think that would have any sort of substitute for actually being there. Um, and it did, it looked strange, uh, sounded strange. And I assume the fact that you were there, it probably felt a bit a bit strange as well. No, no, absolutely. It was it was a very weird experience. I said I said when I was on commentary at the time, at, at the end of the game, I said, this is, this is the kind of Kelly performance that the fans should be here to see, that they would have absolutely loved to see. Um, and they would have all stayed behind at the end to to rightly applaud the team off. So it did it did feel weird that, that the fans weren't there, and and it it was a bit strange because I felt like Celtic weren't quite Celtic when they didn't have their fans there. Like it kind of took away a bit of their invincibility. I think we talked a bit about that this last week, and I was I was only guessing at the time, but it, it was true. It just didn't feel like. It almost took away a bit of that aura of invincibility that they have. And I think that the players probably thought that as well and it would have helped them um, on the pitch. But no, it's a, it's a strange experience and it's going to be interesting to see um, come this Saturday what, what it's like when we play St. Johnson, whether it's whether it feels the same or or it feels a bit more normal because, you know, it's, it's just that it's a lower down team and it's not, you know, you don't expect there to be that good an atmosphere anyway. Um, but I'm sure uh, yeah. it'll still be, feel a bit weird with the fans. Uh, not being there anyway. Uh, we'll move quickly on to um, just something that's been going on the last couple of days, or what well, we found out this morning actually. Um, that Ball and Goalie, who came on um, about ten minutes from the end um, of the of the game on Sunday, uh, just came back. From, he went away to to Spain um, for the day. Didn't tell the club. Didn't tell Celtic. Came back. Uh, didn't quarantine, and then uh, ended up coming on as a sub ten minutes from the end. Uh, obviously, that he's going to he have the. The book thrown at him by Celtic, um, and probably won't play 
for the club again. Um, I wouldn't have thought if Celtic actually have some some morals and some some backbone in that sense. Um, luckily, it doesn't look like uh, our game tomorrow night and the one on Saturday is going to be affected. Um, I think Nicholas Sturgeon said today that that uh, we should be okay, given that you know he was only on the pitch for ten minutes and. Um, there wasn't that much contact anyway, but a bit responsible in putting Kelly players and and staff at risk when there was really no need. That's I've, I'd actually I had said um, with the, the Aberdeen guys and the, the Aberdeen eight as they've been they've been called that they were reckless, but also then turned out to be a bit unfortunate. The fact that you know what kind of transpired from that and two of them testing positive. If they hadn't tested positive. You know, they would have forgot about it and it wouldn't have, you know, nothing would have been spoken about after that. They might have been told, you know, stop being stupid. But they would then have learned a lesson, you know, from, from what's happened. Um, with the ball and goalie one, he's just been absolutely stupid. There's no other way of, of putting it. Completely irresponsible, completely reckless. Um, I watched Neil Lennon's press conference earlier and he looked... Raging, <laughs> he said he was raging, and he looked as if he was, you know, was really, really angry, um, and quite rightly so. As you said, it's all fine and well if people want to be stupid and go and put their family at risk and their loved ones at risk. You know, that's that's you know idiotic in its in itself. But the fact that the whole football thing and how you know how can a society is just now, and it's everything's just kind of hanging on by a thread. All it's going to take is one thing, like the whole Aberdeen cluster as a whole. It's going to take one little thing and then we could all be back to square one again. For someone to think they've got a day off and to fly out on the... I think Lennon said he flew out on the Monday and he came home on the Tuesday. Yeah. There's there's really no excuse for it at all. Um, I hope Celtic completely threw the book at him. He said that he won't be welcome in the dressing room again. I know he cost him a bit of money, so it would cost him a lot to, to get him you know, off the books. But it's completely, completely stupid what he's done. Um, and as you said, I would be surprised if we've seen him in, in Scottish football again because it was, um, it was terrible. You know? And as, as you said, in terms of from our guys, um, there's always going to be that worry, you know, and you think the fact that they've had their Celtic have had their games called off for the next um, week or so, there's always that worry. It's, that's something that's then going to happen. If he came back as, as positive, that then puts our guys potentially off for a week, which then means that the teams we're playing are then put back a bit. And St Johnston, who we play on Saturday, have already got a game to catch up on, and the whole season would just then become a farce. So I hope. If it's not Celtic and it's sort of the SPFL, somebody does something about it now. So everyone knows the rules. Everyone can then see the consequences. And then we just, as, as Derek McInnes said, and I think Lennon said as well, you go to training, you go home, play the game the Saturday and you go home. And that's just how life needs to be for the next however long this, this is here. Yeah, absolutely. First Minister said today that basically... Scottish football has one chance left to to prove that it's been sensible and if not then um, they're going to have to suspend football again so um, I'm sure that'll be in the, the forefront of everyone's mind especially the players um, I'm sure it'll be getting reiterated to them um, in the next few days uh, it takes on nicely to the, the Ross County game tomorrow night um, not a place we'd like to be going 
um, on a Wednesday night anyway, even if fans <laughs> were allowed in. Um, but it should be a good game. Uh, Ross County won their, won their first two games uh, flying quite high, doing well. Um, in, ter- in terms of team selection, would you would you stick with the same team that, that played Celtic or would you would you mix it up a bit and um, you know just be a bit more attacking uh, compared to what we were um, on Sunday night? Yeah, I think I think it would, be, it would be good if we could be a little bit more on the front foot. Um, but at the same time, I don't, unless likes of, of Dicker, who was his first game back, um, it would just depend, I guess, on how these guys have, have recovered. Um, if we want, let's say we've got St Johnston on Saturday as well, are we going to be able to have likes of Burke? Is he going to play the three games? In a week, and that would then be something again to have a look at. But if everyone's fresh and everyone's fit, um, I don't see a need to change it. Um, at least for the first hour or so, and see how see how we're doing. Um, I don't know what you think. If you think there's maybe something we could do to to be on the front foot a bit more. No, I, I think I think if there was going to be a change, the only thing you would do is is bring Bro uh, put Brophy on, have the two up top, um, yeah. and pro and probably take out. Guy Dicker, I think I don't think he can. I don't think he's at a stage where he can play three games in a week. No, um, at the minute, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would love to, and he'd love to try, but yeah. um, just not possible at the minute. So I think that's the only the only change I would make. Um, it's going to be a hard game. There's no doubt about that. Do you have a, a score prediction um, for that? Yeah, I think um, I think we'll do okay. I think you know, there's two one nil wins they've got. Um, the first one against Mullerwell was a, was an eye opener, and you think, okay, that's. Not what I was expecting, but then Motherwell going and getting beat from Dundee United. Is it just the case that Motherwell aren't the same team as they were last year? Um, so it could be that that results a bit, a bit kind of iffy. I think, and I've got a hundred percent record so far after getting one each right last week. I'll go for uh, do you know what? I'll take a one nil win. One nil win. I'm going for. Yeah, I think it's going to be very tight, no matter what. Um, it generally always is up there. So I think I'll go for two one. A bit more goals, Kabamba yeah. um, to to get one, and uh, let's say Burke to get the other one. Um, but it's going to be tough. Just one more thing before we go. Um, just about ten minutes before we were recording this, the club announced that uh, we'd signed Colin Doyle, um, goalkeeper on loan from Hearts until January, um, as cover for the injured uh, Eastwood, who is back at Sheffield United. Um, recovering from from what was a, a horrible injury sustained in the the opening game against Hibs, uh, yeah, you quite happy with that in terms of a, a second choice keeper? Yeah, I think um, it's always going to be difficult to bring someone in that's going to be a number one. Um, if that was the case, then we would have bought a number one without buying, you know, Rogers and Eastwood. You know, if, if it was someone that was going to be better than those two, um, I think I, I, if I read it right, he's here till January. Um, so it is really just to cover the injury. So um, it's good that we've got another body in the door, uh, but fingers crossed it'll be something that, unless, of course, he, he proves to be better in training or whatever than Rodgers, fingers crossed it's going to be the case that he's just, he is just there as backup. Yeah, I, I, I think that that basically confirms that Rodgers is going to be the, the first-choice keeper this season. But with his... With his um, He's mistake ten minutes into what was basically yeah. <laughs> his debut from the start of a game on Sunday. Um, then I think the jury's still out on on Danny Rogers, but um, he seems like a good keeper. He was fine for the rest of the game. Made that fantastic save from Eduard from from point blank range. I know that yeah. a foul was given 
um, in the build-up. But I don't think either the striker or the goalkeeper knew that, and um, it no. was a fantastic save. But um, looks good, and uh, good to have a, a, a backup goalkeeper in. But uh, that is us finished for episode two. Um, so thanks, Craig, for for joining me once again. Cheers, Adam. Thank you. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday night with episode three, um, looking back at what will hopefully be a Kelly win up in Dingwall. I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday. Make sure you follow the 12th man on Twitter. Plenty going on there. Um, And thank you very much again for listening and we'll see you on Thursday.